Okay, people, fantasy draft season is over, and you, Brewski, 150 your way to a hell of a team. The season is here, and the Fantasy Pass is still the best deal in the industry at just $4.99 a month. And now that we're into the regular season, there's zero commitment. Sign up for one month for just 5 bucks. If you don't like it, you can cancel it. We know you'll love it. You'll say you'll keep it. But anyways, it's nice to have options in life. The Fantasy Pass has everything you need to dominate all year long. Updating projections, new fantasy appraiser tools, schedule and streaming charts, pickups, drops, and our newest and coolest feature, the Hoop Ball Discord server, where you can hang out with all our hoop ball pros, including myself, around the clock to get one-on-one help with your team. So please do check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com and click on the Fantasy Pass ad just below the main media wall and get the plug for your success for the fantasy basketball season. The following is a hoop ball presentation. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds wide. Trey Slaughter. Everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm recording this today after the Hawks dropped their second straight game on the road on the West Coast after losing to the Portland Trail Blazers last night. We'll talk about the Blazers matchup and the matchup the night prior versus the Utah Jazz after this plug from my bookie. If you like losing money, Turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HoopBall to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%, just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HoopBall to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus 
and try to score some in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back. And sorry to leave you guys without a podcast, but if you were not aware, the game versus the Phoenix Suns was postponed due to contact tracing in Phoenix's locker room as they played the Wizards the game prior and several players on the Wizards tested positive. The game will hopefully be scheduled for another time. Instead, the Hawks will have a shortened West Coast road trip, two games, starting with the game on Friday night versus the Utah Jazz, a tough Western Conference opponent who was fourth in the West going into the game, and they are led by a multiple defensive player of the year winner, Rudy Gobert, who just got a big contract and got paid. And the explosive Donovan Mitchell. And this team has been together for a few years, so they have great continuity. Utah is 13th in the NBA in offensive rating and 8th in defensive rating. They are a really good three-point shooting team, and they showed it on Friday night. So it was going to be imperative that the Hawks close out on shooters and run shooters off of the three-point line if they were going to have a chance to win this game. Great rebounding team as well with the Jazz on both ends of the floor. So crashing the glass and limiting second chance opportunities was going to be a key as well. And defensively, this Jazz team is tough. They are fifth in the league in opponents' points per game. And they don't foul a lot. So they're going to have to try to force the officials to make some calls to get them to the free throw line. Talking about the Hawks. And give them an opportunity to put points up as it was going to be tough sledding. And it certainly was on Friday night. Injury report going into the game. Rajon Rondo was available after being out for three games. Tony Snell was available. And Oyeko Kongu made his NBA debut on Friday night. Tony Snell and Okongu were both limited to 15 minutes on Friday night. Out for the game. Chris Dunn. Danilo Gallinari, and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Starting lineup will go as Trey Young, Cam Reddish at the two, DeAndre Hunter at the three, John Collins at the four, and Clint Capella at the five. And as enthusiastic as I said Clint Capella's name, the game was not as enthusiastic. The Hawks never led this game. Conley and Mitchell came out hot for the Jazz, getting them out to an early lead. Utah, great three-point shooting team. As I said, start off the game four or five from three-point range. Hawks would pick it up on the defensive end and go on a run to cut into the deficit in the first quarter and got some players back on the floor. As I said, Rondo and then Okongwu made his debut in the first quarter of Friday night's game. Herter came in, provided some really good energy, but... Hawks had defensive lapses and miscues offensively, which led to Utah pushing the lead back out to double digits to close out the first quarter. Missed shot after missed shot and great defense on the Jazz's part, protecting the paint. They had a great defensive game plan on Trey Young and really shut him down Friday night. Forced a lot of turnovers for the Hawks. And then, of course, Donovan Mitchell, being Donovan Mitchell, 
getting it going from the three-point line and had a 20-point outburst in the first half, which would lead to, obviously, Utah being up at halftime. And then despite an 11-0 run to begin the third quarter for the Hawks and good performances from Cam Reddish and Clint Capella, the defense of the Jazz and the Hawks' inability to close out on the three-point line and run shooters off the three-point line would lead the Jazz to go on a 24-7 run from the end of the third quarter through the midway point in the fourth quarter, and they would never look back. The Hawks would lose the game 116-92. Team stats, Hawks shot 41% from the field in a abysmal 18% from the three-point line. Jazz shot 46.7% from the field and a hot 45.5% from the three-point line. That was a big key in that game. Hawks were out-rebounded 59-52 when you have Rudy Gobert. It's going to be a battle, but to lose by seven to them in the rebound margin is not terrible. 15 turnovers is what terrible, and it led to 27 Utah Jazz points which is not great. And the Hawks lost the fast break margin 27 to 14. And as I said before, the Hawks never led the game and they were down as many as 30 points on the jazz side. Donovan Mitchell, again, he showed out scoring 26 points on 10 of 20 shooting from the field and went six of 10 from the three point line. He added three rebounds, four assists and three steals. Mike Conley started the game off hot, finished with 15 points on 5 of 10 shooting and went 2 of 4 from the three-point line, added 8 assists and 4 rebounds. Boyan Bogdanovich scored 17 points on 6 of 12 shooting, including 3 three-pointers. Rudy Gobert had another double-double, scoring 15 points and added 13 rebounds and four blocks for the Jazz. And Jordan Clarkson off the bench, 16 points, four three-pointers to add. And George Niang, former Iowa State Cyclone, 10 points off the bench. So just a great team performance from the Jazz on both ends, especially defending the Hawks. For the Hawks, leading scorer, had a really good game. Cam Reddish with 20 points on 8 of 13 shooting from the floor, went 4 of 5 from three-point range, added 5 rebounds and a steal. Again, really good night for Cam. Unfortunately, it was a losing effort. And when he set the tone and the next player who I mentioned set the tone offensively for the Hawks, no one else followed suit. And Cam Reddish would become a casualty in this game as he banged knees in the game got a knee contusion, and he was going to be out for the game versus Portland yesterday. But still a confidence-building game for Cam Reddish. I love seeing his shot being on the way it was. It was one of the most efficient shooting performances we've seen in a minute from Cam Reddish. So he looked confident all game long. Hopefully we can get him back for tomorrow's game, for the MLK Day game, and he can have that confidence translate into this game against a quote-unquote inferior opponent in the Minnesota Timberwolves, but we cannot take them lightly as we see our record is what it is at this point. 
two games below 500. Clint Capella played great with another double-double performance. 16 points, 11 rebounds, shot 8 of 9 from the floor. He was a constant presence the entire night with his aggression, energy, and effort. And he certainly accepted the challenge of going against Rudy Gobert. And he was not afraid, but it seemed like some of our other players on the Hawks team were a little bit timid when going into the paint against Mr. Gobert. DeAndre Hunter scored 13 points on 6 of 13 shooting from the floor, went over from the three-point line, but hit both of his free throw attempts. Didn't get to the free throw line as much as he had in previous games. He would turn the tide against Portland, getting many more free throw attempts. John Collins got 11 shot attempts, made five of them, scored 13 points, grabbed four rebounds, two assists, and added two steals. I'm going to talk about this a little later, but John Collins has to get more than 11 shots. He needs 12 to 13 at a minimum in my opinion, because he is the second best player on this team. And we've been treating him a lot like a role player in these last couple of games, last few games I've seen. So that's something that's going to have to change. And unfortunately, spoiler alert, did not change last night. Trey Young struggled from the floor and they, they did a really good job defensively as far as Utah of basically just eliminating Trey Young. Trey Young was 1 of 11 from the floor, only scored 4 points, and thanks to 2 free throw attempts, that added 2 more points to make it 4 points. He would add on 7 assists, 4 rebounds, and a steal. As I said, just cold all night, really altered his shot, kind of got into his head a little bit as to do I take this shot or not, and his energy was just off. And Renee Montgomery from the broadcast for Fox Sports Southeast said that basically Trey Young is the leader of this team. That's no question. I mean, everyone everyone knows that. But basically, his energy dictates the direction of where the team will go that night. If he comes out with a lot of energy, they're going to have a better chance to win the game. But if not... You get games like this in Utah where you get blown out the building. And the same thing with John Collins. If you have a healthy dosage of John Collins along with Trey Young and they're both on, you're going to win. But if one is on and one is not, you're not going to win the game. And certainly that was the case on Friday night against the Jazz. Kevin Herter will add 10 points off the bench and Oyeko Okongu had his first NBA career points. In the fourth quarter, so that was really good to see from the rookie. He has really good footwork, just needs to get in shape, get used to the NBA game. But I think he will be a nice addition for this Hawks team, especially in the post. We're going to talk about the Trailblazers game in a minute. But first, a quick plug for Bruce Letter. Okay, quickly, we need to pause the show for an announcement. And it's a fun one. It's free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. What's the stuff? The Bruise Letter is back. Oh, yes. Back and fresh for the 2020-2021 NBA season. Our founder, Aaron Bruski, the GOAT, is writing an email newsletter filled with his most intimate fantasy 
Nuggets. It's exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else. It's not on the website. It's not on any podcast. It's not on social media. It's only in an email newsletter. And you can sign up to get it for free. I said it for free. Just go to bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021 and sign up in 10 seconds. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez. 10 seconds. Again, the site is bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021. And you get it straight from the GOAT and Brewski into your inbox and enjoy the nuggets to help you succeed in your fantasy basketball league. All right, and we are back to talk about Hawks Trailblazers last night. Trailblazers, not as good of a defensive team as the Jazz on Friday night with a defensive rating of 113.6, which is 26th in the NBA out of 30 teams. And they give up almost 116 points per game, which is also 26th in the NBA. But on the flip side, really good offensive team. They have an offensive rating of 113.7, which is 8th in the NBA. And they score 116 points per game, which is 6th in the NBA. This team just recently lost Yusuf Nurkic, but they still have, of course, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum who's been playing at an MVP level, in my opinion. You got Carmelo Anthony, Robert Covington, Gary Trent Jr., Enos Cantor, Derek Jones, Rodney Hood. So offensively, they have a lot of firepower. And with the Hawks having many players out, who are good offensively, is going to be another tough matchup for the Hawks. Another team that can shoot the three ball extremely well. So closing out on shooters and running players off the three-point line was going to be another key in the game versus the Trailblazers. As I said before, they did a terrible job against Utah at limiting that. They must stay out of foul trouble as this is certainly a team in Portland that can hurt you from the free throw line. They do a really good job of getting to the free throw line per game, and they don't really turn the ball over a lot. So defensively, they may not be the best, but they certainly are known for jumping into passing lanes and getting steals. So ball movement and offensive execution was going to be a huge key going into last night's game. Starting lineup for last night's game, Trey Young at the one, Kevin Herter at the two, replacing Cam Reddish, who is out this game, and obviously Bogdan Bogdanovich, who is out still as well. DeAndre Hunter at the three, John Collins at the four, and Clint Capella at the five. Available, lower back tightness for Trey Young, but he would give it a go last night, and boy did he ever. Cam Reddish, as I said before, out with the left knee contusion. Bogey still out. Chris Dunn still out, and Gallinari still out for the Hawks. Talk about the game flow for last night. Much better start offensively from the Hawks. Ball movement was better. The flow offensively was there, and Trey Young would definitely score more points in the first quarter than he did all of the Utah game, scoring 10 early first quarter points. The Hawks were attacking the paint, getting just about anything they wanted with 21 points in the paint in the first quarter. Clint Capella continued his stellar play from the night before, 
and he was dominating in the paint. Rebounding, scoring, sending shots back. He was a force. He certainly came out ready to play on both ends of the floor. And it was a back-and-forth game early on with C.J. McCollum coming out hot. But the Hawks would end the first quarter on a 14-5 run, take the lead by four going into the second quarter, and Clint Capella was leading the way with 11 first-quarter points. The Hawks' defense would play well, and the Trailblazers were cold from the field to start off the second quarter, and the Hawks would ride their defense, poor shooting from the Trailblazers, to a 28-7 run to get to a large lead in the first half. Hot shooting from the field early on with a lot of baskets, as I said before, in the paint. And a lot of shots falling down from the three-point line for the Hawks. The reverse of what was happening versus Utah the night before. Doing a great job of not turning over the ball like they did the night prior. Clint Capella would have a season high in points by halftime in this game. And he had five blocks as well. But a run to close out. The half for the Trailblazers, led by C.J. McCollum and Dame Dollar, Damian Lillard, would cut the lead to three before the half. Unfortunately, the Blazers would lose C.J. McCollum to a foot sprain to start the third quarter as he had Clint Capella land on his foot early in the game. and He would play through it, but after sitting down at halftime, he could not give it a go in the second half. So, to start the game, both teams were cold. Defensively, they did a better job on Trey Young in, in regards to the Trailblazers, and they did a better job of protecting the paint. The Hawks were not getting the ball to J.C. and Herter, which I thought they needed more looks than they got. The Hawks were out of rhythm offensively in the second half, unlike the first half, missed some shots, and the Hawks would help the Blazers stay in striking distance and would ultimately let them come and tie it up and make it interesting going into the fourth quarter. And it would come down to late game execution on both ends of the floor. Carmelo Anthony uses veteran savvy to get some big buckets and some key fouls to get some players in foul trouble in the fourth quarter. Gary Trent hit some big shots as well. And the defense in the fourth quarter, in my opinion, for the Hawks would tighten up in comparison to the third quarter. I liked what I saw from them down the stretch defensively against a really good offensive team in Portland. And although they weren't shutting them down, they were giving them a chance to get the Hawks some offensive possessions to try to execute down the stretch and hopefully try to cut into the lead and ultimately take the lead and get a win. But as I said, Offensive execution was spotty for the Hawks, which put them down by eight with 311 to go in the game. And then Trey Young's offensive execution with a glaring problem down the stretch and one thing to point out at the end of the game. He had an ill-advised three-pointer that he took really early in the shot clock, which led to a miss and then a fast break opportunity for the Trailblazers, a turnover in transition, he was trying to force a pass to Herter, led to a turnover and gave the Trailblazers another offensive possession. And then the big one, which everyone will talk about, down by two, 18 seconds left in the game, and a huge offensive charge called on Trey Young. If they wouldn't have called the charge, and it could have gone both ways, he could have got a block there, but 
He got called for the charge. He made a dish to Herter, which would have led to the game-tying basket with 18 seconds left. But the charge would ultimately lead to the game getting out of reach, and they would ultimately lose the game by 6-112-106. Team stats last night for the Hawks. The Hawks shot 43.7% from the field and 20% from the three-point range after hot shooting from the three-point range. In the first half, it really got cold in the second half for the Hawks, something that they need to get better at. They were supposed to get better at. A lot of their three-point shooters are injured, unfortunately, when you're looking at Bogey and Gallinari. But that's something that they're going to have to overcome with them not being available. The Blazers shot 38.8% from the field and 34% from three-point land. The Hawks were out-rebounded by the Trail Blazers, which was a surprise to me, 62-57. to 57. I thought that was a key last night in their loss. And the Hawks did not do a great job of rebounding and keeping the Blazers off the offensive glass as the Blazers out-rebounded the Hawks offensively 17-7 to seven last night. 13 turnovers was a key stat, again, for the Hawks. A lot of those turnovers really timely in the fourth quarter, inopportune times, as they did not turn the ball over as much in the first half. The second half that we give credit to the Trailblazers' defense, forced more turnovers, forced more mistakes. Those mistakes led to us losing the game. We won fast break points 17 to 10 last night. We won points in the paint 50 to 40, 22 fouls on the Hawks, which they needed to try to limit how many times Portland got to the free throw line. And there's some good free throw shooters on Portland. The best one being Dame Dollar. And he had a lot of free throw attempts last night, which was ultimately another factor in our loss. The Blazers stats, Dame Dollar. 36 points last night on 10 of 23 shooting from the field. Went 4 of 12 from the three-point line. Hit all 12 free throw attempts and added 7 rebounds, 7 assists. Damian Lillard was Damian Lillard, which is to be expected. C.J. McCollum had 16 points all in the first half before going out with the injury. Shooting 6 of 11 from the field and went 4 of 7 from the three-point line. Gary Trent Jr. was huge off the bench with his shooting and his defense, scoring 18 points on 7-14 shooting and went 4-8 from the three-point line. Carmelo Anthony added 11 points off the bench. And as I said, he was big down the stretch with some key shots and getting to the free throw line himself. And Enos Cantor with another double-double with 12 points. And 15 rebounds, including six on the offensive glass. The Hawks' stats last night. Trey Young, as I said, would rebound from the previous game, scoring 26 points on seven of 23 shooting. Still not efficient. And one of nine from the three-point line. Still not hitting the three ball at a high clip. He went 11 of 12 from the free throw line and added 11 assists, which would give him another double-double. Added seven rebounds, but five turnovers and two of them in real crucial moments of the game. I'm glad Trey Young was scoring, getting everybody involved last night. But you got to 
execute down a stretch. That's where film comes. That's where Rondo comes, your coaching staff, to look at film, look at these situations, and learn from your mistakes. He's a young player. He's going to get better. We're not going to, you know, throw a lot of rocks at him, but he was a big key down the stretch in them losing this game. Clint Capella was great for a second straight game. 25 points on 11 to 16 shooting from the field and added 15 rebounds, four on offensive glass, and would add five blocks last night. DeAndre Hunter scored 15 points on three of nine shooting, went one of five from the three-point line, but he was more aggressive getting to the free throw line than he was in Utah, getting to the free throw line nine times and hitting eight of his free throw attempts, and he would add six rebounds. Kevin Herter, getting the starting nod last night, scored 13 points on 10 shots and added six rebounds and four assists. Brandon Goodwin, who was really good off the bench last night, scored nine points off the bench. And John Collins, another game where he did not meet the threshold that I have set forth with the 12 to 13 shot attempts. He got 10 shot attempts last night, made four of them, scored eight points, added six rebounds, two assists, and two blocks. Again, we cannot treat John Collins as a role player. We have to feature him because he is our second best scorer on the team. Just because he cannot put the ball on the floor like other players around the league at the stretch four does not mean that he is inept on offensive end. You just got to get him you know, rim running opportunities or the pick and pop opportunities. They're going to have to try to work something out to get him more shots. And with Reddish out, we don't know how long he's out. You got to get Herter more shots as he is a shooter. Everybody just has to get more shots. I'm glad that Trey Young scored 26 points, but taking up 23 shots to get 26 points means he's not as efficient and his shot, even though he's scoring more, is still spotty right now. So that's something that they're going to have to work through. And they're going to have to work through, again, late game execution, holding on the leads. And I tweeted this out. The Hawks really just lack that killer instinct to just finish teams off. It's going to be hard to finish off, you know, the Trailblazers, especially when when healthy. You have Dame, you have CJ. And Nurkic is there. It's going to be hard to stop them from coming back with the offensive firepower that they have. But we're going to have to gain some confidence in late game situations. And it might have to come against Minnesota because I know Minnesota is going to play us tough. They've played everybody tough, even though they have a three and eight record to start the year. We have to figure out how to close out games, how to scratch and claw to get wins. We were getting some stops last night on the defensive end, which was really encouraging. But, again, we have to defend the three-point line better. We have to run those shooters off the three-point line for some mid-range shots, some contested shots, so that they're not getting as many open looks. The last two games, a lot of open looks for the opponents against us from the three-point line. We got to work on that. And as I said, executing down a stretch, and then finding that yin and yang balance of getting Trey Young his and getting John Collins his and then letting the offense flow out of that. I love the energy that Trey Young came out with 
in this Trailblazers game versus the Jazz as it gave them an opportunity to win, but you're not going to win when John Collins has eight points and you have 26 points. I think they both have to combine for well above 38, 40 points for this Hawks team to win, especially with all these players out like Gallinari with this offensive prowess with Dunn out who can get some stops on some players. He would have probably been on Damian Lillard last night defensively. Bogdanovich out who can create his shot and create for others. They are both going to have to play better and get their shots. As I said, Collins, get 12, 13 shots minimum. Trey Young, get your 18, 19 shots as well. And then continue to facilitate and give the ball to other people because when Trey Young is playing with energy and assisting and getting everybody involved, it's like the energy is going through the ball to those players and they're getting you know, clean looks and they're knocking down shots and they're playing with more confidence. They both set the tone. And if they're both, as I said before, like a car, if they're both not operating at maximum efficiency, the car is not going to get to their destination, which right now is getting wins and closing out games. So that's something that they're going to have to do on short rest, traveling down back here to Atlanta for the MLK Day game tomorrow, as I said, against the Minnesota Timberwolves, who is one of the worst offensive teams in the NBA, and one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. So this is a certainly an opportunity for them to get right and bounce back. Carl Anthony Towns is not going to be in the game, unfortunately, due to testing positive for COVID-19, which we send our thoughts and prayers to Towns as he's had a tough 2020 year, just like all of us, losing a lot of relatives, including his mother, to coronavirus and the T-Wolves had their game postponed versus the Grizzlies on Friday night. Right now, all indications point to that this game will be played tomorrow, and it will be the homecoming for Anthony Edwards, who is an Atlanta native already, as you already know. Went to University of Georgia, one and done. Now he plays on the T-Wolves, and he's had a pretty good start to his rookie career, averaging 12.5 points to start the season. They still got D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, so... And this team has had some wins against some good teams. So certainly this is not a team to overlook. But as I said, we should be able to get a bounce back game at home. Really work on some things, clean up some things. Hopefully we get some players back. I know Gallinari is close. I think he's going to be out for the game against Minnesota. But he is days away from coming back. So that's going to add some offensive firepower and hopefully open up some looks from other players, especially off the bench. So we'll see going forward. But this is a big game tomorrow. National televised audience, big day, MLK day. Jerseys will be on full display. I'll have my MLK shirt for the Hawks that I'll be repping tomorrow for the game. And the new court, which looks dope, dope. And it's going to be a fun game, great atmosphere, as it's commemorating the late, great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who's done so much for the city of Atlanta and the rest of this country with his push for civil rights. So a lot of emotions. Hopefully they can ride that emotion and use that to their advantage to get a dub tomorrow. And we will talk about that game. On the next podcast, we'll recap it, 
Thank you again for your patience. I'm sorry. It's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you without another pod to step to or listen to. Whatever you do with my podcast, we apologize. But the cancelization of the game and life happens. But we wanted to give you a double feature today. And we're going to quickly turn it around and cover the T-Wolves game tomorrow. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it. Tell everybody, everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. That's no smoke, no cap. Numbers do not lie. Share with fellow Hawks fans and basketball enthusiasts across the globe. Follow us at HoopBallHawks on Twitter. That is at HoopBallHawks. Follow myself, Brad Jarrett 67 That is Brad, J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7. And as always... Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.